Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, the pastor of West Bradenton Baptist Church in Bradenton, Florida, Josh King, the pastor of Saxe's Church in Saxe, Texas, and me, Micah Fries, the pastor of Brainerd Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're glad you're here. Hey, what's up? This is Josh King, and I am excited and thankful that you are joining us on another episode of EST, the podcast for the Established Church. We're here to talk about issues that pastors of established churches deal with daily, maybe weekly, some things that we ourselves are struggling through. And so want to kind of open up that conversation. Hope that you're having this similar conversations in your circles and where you are. Before we start today, want to thank the Christian Standard Bible. You can find out more information about the CSB at csbible.com. It is a new translation from the Greek and the Hebrew. It is both faithful and true, something that you can study from, feel confident studying from, being that it is faithful to the original languages, and share with those in your congregation, whether they are seasoned, mature Christians or new believers. The CSB is the Bible that will um, both communicate uh, the, the message of the original text as well as be readable for the modern uh, reader. And we are, uh, as always, thankful for them. Today's topic is going to be something I think a lot of people struggle with, but nobody knows how to ask out loud because it's one of those topics nobody wants to talk about. It's money. Should the pastor know the giving records? And to what extent should the pastor know the giving records? Who, Whose giving records should they know about? And so uh, joining me in the conversation, as always, is uh, my lovely and talented co-host, as I am their co-host. It's Micah and Sam. Micah made a face because I called them lovely but they are so hey micah hey sam the word that is often used of me but i literally don't think anybody has ever called me lovely in my life (laughs) and it disturbs me that josh king is the first person to ever call me lovely hey jesus thinks you're lovely there's lots of worship songs that say jesus thinks you're lovely I did work in radio for a while, and my boss told me one day that I had a face for radio. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> hey, can I give a little plug to our sponsor again? Yeah. You know you know what I'm excited about? We, we are going to have a launch day for the CSB. Um, so we, we've actually got a day that we've picked out. It's on the calendar. We're going to replace all of the Pew Bibles mm-hmm. and put new CSB Pew Bibles in. It's, it's, it's going to be a big day. I'm I'm really excited about it. I just and thought I'd throw that out this there. This is a side question, but I think a lot of people wonder, what do you do with the old Bibles? What are you guys doing with them? Because they're good. Uh, we, they're good things. Yeah, we yeah. we have the nice hardback pew Bibles. So uh, the ones that we do have, we're going to we're gonna give them away. We, we have some ministries locally here that'll, that'll take them. Cool. Our local, actually, our local association is going to take them. Oh, wow. Uh, so they've got it. They've got a good use for them. When we switched to the HCSB, we had about three to four hundred King James um, pewback Bibles that were very nice, very barely used, and um, we I just took them over to the Independent Fundamental Baptist Church, and they they really appreciated it. They're the King James only church. There you uh, go. I really liked it. All right, let's talk about money. Jesus talks about money. You cannot serve God and um, essentially the love of money. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. But we don't like talking about money, um, in particular in the church. But specifically, let's talk about this idea of whether or not the pastor should know. The giving records. What's your gut reaction to that? If you just yes or no, I know. That. I'd say no. I mean, if you're talking specific giving records, okay, like what individuals give, mm-hmm. like you knowing that, you seeking that information out without mm-hmm. their permission, no. 
I, okay. I, I'd say no. Yeah, I say the answer is no. All right. And I say the answer is sometimes. <laughs> totally depends. Um, but that's, I think that's going to be the uh, sort of the conversation today. In what areas or realms should the pastor know? And if the pastor doesn't know, is there anything that the pastor should do in order to maybe empower another staff person or another leadership person to know those sort of things? And then kind of uh, – because what about the area of accountability? If you're if you're the shepherd of the church and money is such an issue in the lives and the spiritual lives of people, how do you hold people accountable in the area of finances? Should you or so, how do you feel about that? So we, we actually have a, a process at West Bradenton. It's a very good process. Um, I don't know who gives what um, as far as like this person gives this amount. Um, I get all sorts of reports, and we can talk about that later in the podcast, but I'll go ahead and answer your question as far as accountability. Um, we have a financial director, and she has access to all of those giving records. And any time that we are considering someone from, for leadership, mm-hmm. we uh, go to her. Uh, I actually have a nominating committee, um, like most of our listeners' churches probably have. And nominating committee goes to her and gives her a list of names of potential leaders and just says, should we be concerned about any of these names Mm -hmm. without asking how much they give or, um, you know, uh, you know, any other question other than should 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 we be concerned about any of these givers? And um, and, and, you know, sometimes a name gets crossed off the list and, and. we don't really know why, but the gist of it is they're not giving faithfully. So if you know if you're giving weekly or monthly or quarterly, and you've been doing so for five years, I mean you're not you're not going to get crossed off the list. So it's not even like does this person give more than that person? It's just are they giving faithfully? Mm. Are they giving consistently? And um, and, and we really don't go into much more detail than that. But it it it, it saves us a lot of heartache mm-hmm. with our our leaders because obviously if they're not giving to the church. They should not be in a leadership position. So that's how mm-hmm. we address um, the accountability side of things. But I'd be curious, what, you, what, what do you do at Brainerd, Micah? No, we do basically the same thing. We are actually looking at doing something a l- little bit different, just in the sense of using um, a numerical system where each person in our giving record is assigned a number, and then we can we can go in and actually see giving patterns without knowing who's actually giving each of those amounts. And uh, for for one, we want to create an, an accountability system where everybody who is a member of the church is giving financially. Our expectation is, and we teach this in our members class, um, is that everybody who's a, a member of the church ought to be giving, you know, financially on a consistent basis. And so we want to be able to track that without actually being able to see who has given what. Um, and so, but but basically, other than that. Uh, Sam, we do almost exactly what you guys do. Mm. Yeah, we do as well. The only other thing that we do, you you guys may do this as well, is our um, person, our finance person, she's she's the office manager here, she can actually pull from our records who is not giving anything, per se, Mm -hmm. and um, she has started, now I don't know who those people are, um, and neither do the other elders, but she can pull those numbers, and what we've empowered her to do and actually assigned her to do is pull those people and then start hitting them up with encouragement to give. So it's not like a you're going to get a letter that says you're bad for not giving, but we will send you know postcards that may address 
what what the money given to the church does just to that group, you know, and say, here's some of the highlights. When you support the mission and ministry of Christ through Saxe's Church, this is um, some of the things that we do. And this is some of the things we do with that money. So um, there is sort of a pulling out. Then there is, she's also able to pull out those who give inconsistently. And those people are targeted with giving um, encouragements to do things like set up your auto draft on on the online giving and that sort of thing. So it, it, there, what the elders have done here is try to build in some accountability while keeping the elders pulled apart from it so that we're not actually the ones knowing the numbers or those sort of things. And um, since this person is already the one posting the giving anyways, this person was already seeing exactly how much every single person was giving. So it wasn't like creating a problem that that wasn't there. So I do think right. that— And that's, and, and that's the person that we use as well, and there's wisdom in that. Right. Um, and we actually followed up with a little bit of accountability from our treasurer as well. Mm-hmm. So both of them kind of have that access and that and that um, those eyes on those records yeah. um, so that there's it's not just one person. Yeah, and um, you know, as on, on that giving idea is there, we have a system here. Once you join the church, I, I forget the exact order of things, but the first week you're going to get contacted by the person, the minister in charge of small groups, and they kind of walk you through a specific um, prescription. Like, hey, here's some small groups that would fit your demographic. If you haven't already plugged into a small group, here's a few of them. I've already told them to contact you. It's very personalized. The second week is the giving week in which that same ministry head will contact them and say, here's how you set up your online giving. Here's how you do giving here. Here's why we do giving. So there's even the back end of this. And then on the third week, I personally contact them all and make sure that they have considered and seen where they might serve somewhere in the church. So we have a, uh, like, you know, the membership process involves some of that giving records as well. Um, what? Why do you think... Why do you guys think the the answer? I think if I if I lined up a hundred pastors out here from various denominations and I asked them, should you know the giving of the uh, of of the membership? Most I think all of them would say no. I think almost everybody's gut reaction is no. Why is that such a danger? Why do people think? Have we really talked about that, or is that just you know common wisdom? I think I think there's a couple of reasons uh, why that's probably unwise for us to know the giving amount. Uh, the first reason is, one, because I don't trust myself. And yeah. um, I think it's probably unwise. I know myself well enough to know, if I know intimate details, um, uh, giving details, um, and, and we need to know, let me say this, let me back up and say, we need to know, are people giving? That's the thing we need to know. But because of the fact that we can't know how much they make, there's no way for us to know for sure if they're tithing. So the question we need to know is, are they giving? Because that's a that's a normally expected practice for someone who's walking with Jesus. So there ought to be a way for us to know that every person in the church is giving, and that's one of the things we're trying to work through and just think through. But beyond that, if I were to start going in and, and valuing or, or weighing the amounts that specific people give, I know myself well enough to know that's probably going to color the way I view people. And the way I potentially, um, um, you know, respect people in the congregation, which should not be. And I think there's a direct biblical principle there that we shouldn't value people simply because they have the capacity to give more dollars than others. The question is, are we giving sacrificially? Are we giving generously? That sort of thing. So uh, the first reason why I think it's probably unwise is because 
I don't trust myself. Leaders probably shouldn't trust themselves. The second reason, and because money is such a huge, deceptive, and uh, devastating danger for pastors, right? Money and sex, probably the two biggest things we can have uh, pastors have as temptations, just like everybody else, that can derail their ministry. So don't trust the pastor. Uh, I don't trust the pastor when I am the pastor. The second aspect is we live in a culture that, that values consumerism. And material wealth is sort of the height of who we are. <clears throat> and so I think for us, we are prone to overvalue financial wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, and we ascribe to people unintentionally value based on their capacity to have. And, uh, and so as a church, um, not only am I suddenly sort of going to treat people differently um, I don't think there's any value in it other than as Americans, we're inclined to want to know those things, mm-hmm. right? We want to know who's giving more, who's giving bigger amounts because we're more attracted to it, maybe even than other cultures around the world because of our, um, because of our consumerism. Money is such a, a devastating um, and deceptive sort of danger in our culture. So I, I don't see that where there's any reason for us to know. I, I guess that would be my argument in response is why in the world would a pastor need to know specific giving patterns of specific people mm-hmm. any more than I would need to have an accounting every week of <clears throat> how much you paid for your electric bill and how many people you shared Jesus with this week and um, how many times you were gracious and compassionate to someone. I don't need to know those specifics. I just need to know, are you someone who shares your faith? Are you someone living compassionately? Are you a good husband? You know what I mean? And financially, are you giving faithfully? I, I just don't see any reason why we would need to know the specific dollar amounts of what, what every person's giving. Mm. Yeah, G- greed is my sin. So I'll just confession time. Uh, you know, this is something that I, I naturally struggle with. So for me, you know, th- there that makes the uh, temptation and the danger more elevated. So I, you know, th- there's some things that I, I don't struggle with that maybe others do, but certainly the love of money for me is 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 a struggle. Hmm. So I, you know, I have a you know I have a financial background. I worked as a futures trader. That was my life, you know, when I started in right out of college. I mean, it was all about money, and I just got ingrained into that culture. So, and then, and then God said, "I'm going to rescue you. <laughs> I'm going to call you into ministry," and uh, and and it's been a wonder. It, it, and, and that will kill greed in your life quickly. Um, <laughs> go go be a pastor of of a church of six people. Um, so um, God did a work in me, and, and He really protected me from. From a lot of potential heartache, and, mm-hmm. and thankfully, I don't I don't struggle nearly as much. Mm-hmm. I still have to watch myself. So for me, you know, it's it's a sin issue for me. If if I knew what individuals gave um, and each specific amount, yeah, I, I that would cause me to do some pretty bad things. So mm. for for me, it's a protection issue. I agree completely with what Micah is saying because some some of our listeners may be like, yeah, I don't struggle with greed at all. I still don't think it's wise, mm-hmm. uh, but it's especially wise to to not know if if you're like me, and you know this could be this could be a struggle for you. Yeah, I'm not one of those who really care at all how much a person gives. It doesn't even affect me, and and you know some of the times that I have found out those things. And let me just clarify: when I said sometimes earlier, what I really meant was what we were kind of talking about. That in if they're going up to positions of leadership or something like that, I think we should know that they are giving, not necessarily Correct. the amounts and stuff like that, but. Yeah, I don't struggle with that, and some of the times where I I have found out, and here's how it almost always happens. Let's say somebody left the church back when we were 
you know, much smaller, and every person who comes into the church and leaves the church, you can feel it financially. You can see those sort of things. And I see the giving totals, and so somebody will leave the church, and I'm thinking in myself, oh, no, that's probably not going to be good. They're, you know, they've got a huge house. They've got nice cars and stuff like this. I'm thinking, this is going to hurt us. And a month goes by, two months go by, and nothing happened. And I might go by our finance office and say, hey, so once I left it, you know, I thought that was going to hit us financially. And she'll be like, oh, no, they never gave anything. They were, you know, one of those things where I find out a lot of the times, kind of what you were talking about there, Micah, is money is so deceptive. And some of the people who are probably your greatest givers don't look like it, don't live lifestyles because they're dedicating that money that direction. That's not always true. But um, what would you say to the guy? Here's here's an argument I have heard before. Not anything I've ever done. But I've heard of pastors knowing how much somebody's giving. They know who the top givers are and exactly how much they're worth. I've heard guys um, you know, talk about a person in their church and say, oh, well, you know, he's worth a couple million, something like that. Well, when it comes to campaigns or building programs or something like that, they might pull that person aside and because they know the finances behind that person, ask that person to make a greater sacrifice or to, you know, do a matching grant or something like that. Have y'all ever heard of that? Is that wise? Is that tiptoeing yeah, on the line? I, you know, we're, we're about to do a capital campaign, so th- these are very relevant questions. Yeah, I've, I've heard of that. And you know, a lot of it, uh, with that particular approach, a lot of it just depends on the relationship that you have with somebody. So, um, you know, I've had big givers tell me what they give not because they want to impress me, but because it's just like, hey, you just you might you might need to know. Um, and and I don't I don't mind that so much. It's always a little strange to me, but um, I've I, you know I've known who gives big gifts before, and I've had people come to me and say, hey, I I sold a business, I'm going to tithe on it, and you know it's it's going to be a significant check. Where do you want me to put it? You know, all, all of those things are, are pretty normal conversations that you're going to have as a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, so. If you're in a capital campaign and you have a trusted relationship with somebody who's of high net worth and, and you, you want to sit down with them and say, hey, you know, you know, would you consider this? You know, a lot of it's just about how you ask. It's not that you ask. It's it's the approach that you take. Mm. I don't so much have an issue w- with that because, you know, you're you're really trying to, to do something big in the church. Um, I, I guess I, I still push back on you. You just don't need to know those unless somebody wants to tell you. Mm-hmm. You don't need to know the specific amounts. You can go ask somebody like that in a capital campaign and not say, all right, I need you to give, you know, two million dollars. Mm-hmm. For all you know, they might want to give three or four um, if they're of that high of a net worth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I still don't think it's a good idea to start talking specific dollar figures, if, if at all possible, with yeah, even with a high net worth individual. Yeah. Michael? Yeah, so um, – yeah, I, I mean, I think everything Sam just said has been my experience as well. I mean, there are going to be times uh, – I've never had anyone walk up to me and say, this is how much I give. But um, I have known of some specific gifts. And uh, we have a standing policy at our church that if a gift comes in over a certain size, uh, I don't need to know the gift amount, but I want to write a thank you note to that person because typically gifts that come in over a certain size are sort of one-time exceptional gifts. Someone passed away and they've been left some money and they want to give to the church or, or someone passed away and in their will it was left to the church and I want to write a thank you note to the family or a business sold. There are examples of people giving far above and beyond what they would typically give. And so I wrote, I write a thank you note if I 
if there's a specific level of gift. So I'll, I'll get a list every month of people who gave over that amount. You know, you know, it's usually three to five people per month um, who give, which for us, it's a pretty large, you know, pretty significant amount that we ask. So, I mean, I don't have a problem identifying those things and just saying, hey, thank you. We appreciate your generosity. We're grateful for your commitment to the church. And I also don't have a problem with going to someone in a capital campaign and saying, hey, particularly, and we're getting ready to go into a capital campaign as well. <laughs> and so um, particularly in advance of a capital campaign, if you're getting ready to kick off a capital campaign and you know two, three, or four givers who would be excited about the campaign and have extra income at their disposal, to go to them and say, hey, would you be willing to kick off the capital campaign with a, with a good-sized gift? So you could stand up in front of the church and kick the capital campaign off by saying, here's what we need to give um, here's, you know, that, that's going to mean X amount of dollars. Would you be willing to sacrifice? And Hey, I have commitments already from four or five people totaling this amount. We're, we're on our way. Would you join us? And, and you could build some energy. I, I mean, I don't see any problem with that sort of thing at all. Uh, the, the key is not then valuing those people at a certain level somehow as worth more to the church than those who could only give $5 or $10 a week or something like that. Cause we've got people in our church who, well, listen, my, I've got family. I won't say specifically who they are. They're not living now. But I've got family who were, were probably some of the poorest people in my extended family over the last 50 years. But by far, they're the most generous members I've ever met in my family and some of the most generous people I've ever known. You know, By percentage, they gave far more than the person who gave a lot more money numerically. So, I mean, you want to be careful not to value them, but yeah, I don't see any problem with, with acknowledging and, and affirming people who do give generously and sacrificially. Yeah, and, and I want to point out the spiritual side of this because, you know, you talk about giving sacrificially. Michael, you mentioned that, and, and I, I'm a firm believer in giving sacrificially, and to me, the tithe is just a starting point. I know that right. this conversation isn't about, you know, the doctrine of the tithe and whether that's still valid or not. I know that's an ongoing conversation, and I get that, but to me, you know, the tithe is a starting point. And if you're going to give, you know, particularly in a North American context, if you're going to give sacrificially, you know, it better change your lifestyle, um, right. and it better change the way that you live, and and the, and that means it's going to be way above ten percent in in our context. Mm-hmm. So the spiritual side of this is, you have no idea how God is going to honor the your church because of the person that gives four thousand dollars a year, but that's you know. So sacrificial on, on on their part. So God may give you spiritual fruit with your low dollar amount givers, simply because they are giving sacrificially. So that's you know to me that's a key part of you don't want to put too much weight on the the people who give at the upper end. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important because they keep the lights on and they build buildings right. and you know right. they're very important and and you know you can't neglect that. But man, that person. That makes you know fifty thousand a year, but they're giving ten thousand a year to the church just because right. you know they they are all in and they are sacrificial and you know they're driving that twenty year old Camry because they want to give more to their church. You know God may honor your church because of them, and He may give you a ton of spiritual fruit because of because of what they're doing. It gets back to that principle: of the widow's might. You know she gave all that she had. And, and I believe there's a lot of spiritual power in the sacri- sacrificial giving of the saints. And you don't, you just don't know in your church who that could be. It could be a high net worth person, but it could be a low net worth person, and you just don't know why God is blessing your church. So 
I would just say be careful um, with uh, with thinking that you know the large dollar figures are what's driving the church. It very well may be the opposite. It could be the low dollar figures in your church, the the, the people that don't give a lot but are giving sacrificially that are driving the the health of your church. Yeah, I think overall what we're saying here is that. Um, it's it's wise to be aware of giving, of course, and to kind of – it's not that you need to be so uh, worried about it or consumed with it. But in certain settings and in certain ways, it is a good determiner for – or it helps to determine and make decisions. And so being aware of it, but knowing specifics is not something that you need to know. Here, let me say it this way. I don't know specifics about individual people in my church's giving for the same reason that I don't go to my office with another woman who's not my wife and close the door. Right, because it's a danger and it'll it's a temptation that'll lead me to sin. I'm not there's no guarantee I would do anything wrong in that environment, but it's just a bad idea to put myself in that place. Right. We put barriers in place as pastors to protect ourselves and the churches that we serve um, from us running into sin and mismanaging you know our leadership responsibilities in the church. And so, should you be aware of some of the giving? Absolutely. Should you be involved in some of that? Absolutely. But you need to put appropriate safeguards in place to protect mm. you, protect your heart, and to protect your church. Right. And I would add this. I think where we're taking this conversation is just one step further, is that all of us have built in within our church system and polity and accountability for the members and trying to help the members stay accountable in some way without the elders or pastors knowing the details of it. So we're protecting ourselves while shepherding the flock. And so since it's so important, since money is so uh, impactful on the spiritual lives of our people, then we need to build in some sort of accountability. So more than I think there needs to be, there always with all these things needs to be more than just encouragement. Y'all please give. There needs to be some other things that say, hey, you're not giving and why aren't you giving? And like the old analogy goes that has rung, true here is almost every time we do one of those seasons of seeing who's not giving and sharing or you know encouraging them to give the stories come back of people struggling financially that we did not know about every single time that happens and we're able to you know help those people as well so any other final thoughts before we close out the show yeah we need to do we need to do like part two at some point on Mm. giving reports and the, the the things that you look at financially. So I think that would be a good follow-up to this is like the actual nuts and bolts of what reports do you get on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis financially and how do you use them? So I'll well, just throw that out there. a bunch of follow-up ideas, you know, like requiring the staff to tithe. Uh, that's someone you know they're giving. Bam! You know they're, you know, Throw down! And so, Throw uh, down! There's a lot of things. Uh, I know churches that do that. We do that. But I don't know. I don't know if they are or not. Um, so there's a lot of you know, different elements. Also, you know, publishing the, the staff's salaries to the whole church. You know, there's just a bunch of things that this could go into, whereas how transparent are we? How transparent do, do we get the information from them? You know, again, thank you to the Christian Standard Bible for sponsoring this episode. Also want to give a shout out to Jeff Riley. Jeff Riley is from West Milford, New Jersey at Echo Lake Church, the pastor there. He also let me know through Twitter that he could not hear my microphone. And so I appreciate Jeff and others who kind of chime in and let us know when um, there's something that we can improve. We're always looking for ways and efforts to improve those things. Be like Jeff, Rev, Rev Jeff 97 that's R-E-V-J-E-F-F 97 on Twitter. Be like him and follow us, like us on Twitter. That's at, that's at 
E-S-T Church. Also, if you want to help the show, the best way to help the show is to let other people know about it. Also, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. That does so much good for us. We appreciate you listening. We hope hope to uh, see you back next week. Peace.